It's season two, season two, season two, season two. What's the show called again? Uh, what? Wait. Discography discussion. <laughs> season two. Round Sound of my music. Boy. Sound of music. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How's it going? I'm doing uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good, post... as Larry David would say. <laughs> post more discussion. Uh, or, uh, wow. Post more technical issues, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, we, as per usual, we had some technical issues. So maybe we should talk about that really quick before we get started. Sure. Because if you recall, we were really hyping last season uh, during the King Crimson series that we were going to transition mm-hmm. to using anchor and although we are still going to do that uh we were hoping to do so for uh well season two that didn't happen we both downloaded anchor and we were having some issues as far as that goes um so so anchor gonna, get your I shit guess, together and, and and make it anchor more get your shit together but really it's probably more like the two of us are just idiots and we probably <laughs> missed something Either way, guys, we're gonna we're gonna look into that in between episodes more. Promise you that we're gonna, you know, transition to that and and look. I really, I guess, right now it's irrelevant because either way, we're gonna continue to post on the YouTube uh, Sound of Music page, but hoping to use Anchor as well so we could sort of branch out the podcast a little more. Also, I want to thank anybody who's watching this who watched the whole King Crimson discography series. That was. A blast to do it was also very it was also at times very challenging and time consuming but it feels really good to get it done so thanks guys it is like i don't even know but it was it really was such a blast doing that yep. but boy was it, <laughs> i don't want to say it was a chore uh because we wouldn't be doing this if it were a chore but it, it really um we were kind of just figuring this whole thing out as we went with that series yep. um i think as we progressed it just got better and better and i'm really excited about this one guys because this this next season is gonna blow the last one as far as i'm concerned as far as um just you know you and i i think you know we've become more confident with uh you know this recording format Mm -hmm. and just we've got a new schedule that i think is just gonna jive better with everyone yep um so let's actually talk about the schedule before we get started yeah, the uh, we're we're planning to record every sun every other Sunday, so every two weeks, and then they and as far as I know, at least on the YouTube page, it will be posted every Friday. Or I keep saying every every other Friday. <laughs> okay, every other every other Friday, and um, if we get Anchor to work, we'll, it'll probably be actually posted that Sunday on you know Anchor and Spotify and stuff because you could put, just post it right away. So I would. You guys who are watching on YouTube, um, just expect it'll be every other Friday. And then, again, if you know we branch off and you guys are listening to this now on one of the other platforms, most likely it'll be Sunday. So, yeah, there you go. That's the new. Uh, that's that's the new schedule. So that's the new schedule, and let's just touch base on the new format. So new format. Um, you know, we got some feedback on. Uh, the last season when we did the King Crimson series and, and and I think Rob and I were slowly starting to agree too that uh, two hours, two and a half hours was just too long. I mean, some of my favorite podcasts mm-hmm. I listen to can be that long, but I know the ones that I tend to enjoy the most are in that 45 to 90 minute mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, we are looking to, um, instead of just covering a period, um, in the artist's career that we're discussing, we're gonna each out el- each episode is gonna be an album. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, not gonna be as long, right? So we're looking to keep it in the 35, 45 minute range, with the occasional hour, yep, um, long episodes. Which this episode will more than likely be close to. We want to be. We want to try um, to stay under an hour if we can. You know, hour is definitely on the long side of things. That is the goal, but as you all know, Rob and I do have the tendency to just uh, babble on sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but we will be keeping a lot of the same of what we did in the King Crimson series. So we're still going to, at the end, when we're done discussing the album, we'll do our top three favorite tracks. We'll do our final thoughts. Uh, we're going to go track by track like we did in the last series. Mm-hmm. Talk about singles, B-sides, 
and we will do a wrap-up uh, episode just like we did for the king crimson series where yes. we rank the studio albums as well as do our uh individual top 20 songs and combined top 20 songs as well yep and otherwise yeah like you said the format is gonna stay largely the same so uh, just expect us doing David Bowie albums for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to do that math right now, but, uh, you know, expect two albums a month. <laughs> and guys, we'll get to Blackstar before you know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, if you haven't picked up on the artist that we are going to be discussing for season two, or if you haven't even listened to season one, where, you know, we... we mentioned in the last episode who we're going to be covering but uh of course it's going to be david bowie for this season and i gotta tell you i am super stoked to be talking about bowie with you um and we're going to dive in in a second about what bowie means to each of us our relationship with bowie um Mm -hmm. but this is probably the guy when we first started talking about doing this podcast together rob this was probably the one that I was most excited to talk to you about. And we threw in a bunch of names, even before when we knew we were doing King Crimson, we threw in a bunch of names, and Bowie was one of the original names that we both brought up. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. Oh, I'm stoked. Me too. I really love David Bowie. And um, you kind of got into Bowie... Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I, we'll, we'll talk about, um, you know, maybe a little bit of history of each of us with David Bowie in a second, but I recall you kind of got into Bowie a little later. And then when you really started getting into him is when we kind of weren't talking as much. So I'm kind of curious to see how your taste has changed since I remember, you know, you getting into his stuff. Yeah. Same. So actually let's, let's get into that. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, you and I go back, you know, like close to 12 years and you've always been a Bowie guy Mm -hmm. Um, specifically I knew you were really into and still are into the glam era so Mm -hmm. Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust uh, Diamond Dogs Aladdin Sane Hunky Dory Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've always really liked David Bowie Mm -hmm. Um, there was never a point in my life that I didn't think he was okay or never disliked him I've always liked Bowie Mm -hmm. but you're right as far as really just consuming Bowie and really getting into his catalog it was a little later for Mm me uh around 2011 2012 is really when i got into bowie Mm -hmm. um so i guess let's let's do that actually let's let's um let's give some background of how each of us got into bowie um and then we could talk about what he means to us before we get started sure so as i mentioned i got into bowie seriously around 2011 2012 uh, I believe the next day came out early 2013, mm-hmm. and I was I, I was in a weird place in my life. Um, so I was just graduating County College, December 2012, um, and of course transitioning to um, the next phase of my college career. I don't know. Um, so the school I went to was only a, um, a school I went to for one semester. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not going to really get into that phase, but it was just, you know, it was just a low point in my life. Things weren't working out. I didn't like the school. I wasn't making any friends there. Um, I was starting to question if, you know, I made the right career choice. I was starting to question if college was right for me as a whole. Um, so just, you know, really getting to sort of like downward spiral. And so this would have been the beginning of that semester, uh, winter 2013. And this was right around the time the next day came out. And, you know, there was just a lot of hype on that record because like, holy fuck, Bowie's got a new album. And it had been 10 years um, since the last one. He wasn't touring. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like Mm -hmm. I vaguely remember when um, Where Are We Now was released as a single, but it was still like, just it came out of nowhere though like bowie's got a new album and so i remember picking it up at the best buy um right by the school i was going to and that's all i listened to for weeks and weeks and weeks and for some reason i even if i were to rank my david bowie albums for you right now i can tell you with confidence that the next day would not be in my top 10 it's a phenomenal album Mm -hmm. 
that album holds a special place in my heart because it's really when my love for Bowie really was developing and that record for some reason was just I, I, I whenever I listen to that record it does take me back to that moment and not in a melancholy sort of way but just looking back like ah this is what you went through but you know what life's pretty good now um, yeah and sometimes uh, when you when you associate music with a hard time in your life it actually you do have a fondness for it because of like I've mentioned in the the previous episode power to believe randomly a same deal it was actually around that same time too i listened to the power to believe and i was just kind of like it it got me it got me through kind of a tough time and it made me appreciate it even more because you know it because music is escapism right so absolutely yeah I, I could see what you're saying so that record alone just for that reason will always hold a special place in my heart mm-hmm. and and i won't get as in depth but um similarly when black star was released in 2016 um, I was also still in college. I was at the school where I ended up getting my uh, my bachelor's degree in. But um, same thing. I, I was sort of transitioning to post-college. Uh, I think I had one more semester left to student teaching, trying to figure things out long-term um, on a, on, in my personal life with my girlfriend, but as well as you know my career. And so sort of in a funk in that period, too. So like the next day, uh, Black Star was very much like my soundtrack uh, to 2016. So mm-hmm. Bowie has two albums <laughs> for me. 2013, the next day, was my soundtrack. And Black Star was my soundtrack for 2016. Um, so, you know, like you said, music is, you know, we use it for to escape escapism. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I listen to all sorts of different kinds of music and... There's very few artists that really take it to that next level for Mm -hmm. me, um, where we could do a whole podcast series just on that. (laughs) Um, And that just really mean the world to me. And, you know, the Beatles, of course, are one of them. They're my favorite band. Um, I I feel that way about Miles Davis, but David Bowie's also that guy where Mm -hmm. David Bowie just, he's... just special i i i can just talk about what bowie means to me this whole episode but i I want i want to hear your 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 backstory with bowie so take it away man uh well for me it was definitely different i was um i was never really into music when i was really young and it wasn't till about shocking by the way yeah right i i i remember once saying i didn't like music at all and I let me back that up by saying that I mostly heard my mom play soft rock all the time and country. <laughs> so when that's like ninety percent of what you heard, you can understand the statement. I I don't like music. <laughs> but anyway, uh, one of the other th- now the, the exception to that rule, of course, was my dad was a big Beatles fan, so I heard a lot of Beatles growing up too, and. So, like, it was probably, like, 2001 to something like that is when I started really getting into just music, rock music, classic rock, right? It started with a little band that you guys might know called Pink Floyd, but my number two was David Bowie. And um, long story short, um, my dad had, um, you know... I was basically... Si- is, I, don't mean, I don't mean to interrupt. Is, is Bowie still your number two? Sorry? Is Bowie still your number two? Uh, I wouldn't call him my number two favorite, but it w- he was probably the second artist that just made me go wow. Like it was the se- uh, okay, it was, okay. it was a one-two punch of me of Pink him, Floyd, and then David Bowie, and then Queen was the third punch. So it was like it was three three gotcha, amazing okay. artists. Um, Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. So my dad recommended that I hear Pink Floyd, and then I had gotten really into Pink Floyd, and I think my dad had gotten sick of hearing Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like have you heard of david bowie and i was like who's that you know and then um at some point shortly after i got the best of bowie collection which i maintain is one of the best best of the two disc best of bowie collection it's got that blue cover and it's a pretty solid yeah. compilation there's there's one i would argue that's for, for a beginner for well, somebody for first few, discovering if... bowie's music i think it's a great thing and uh yeah 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 you definitely. know i just fell in love with uh songs like um changes and space oddity and you know rebel rebel and you know name you know insert a bowie hit here right and uh yeah i, I just i've always just had a re- D- david bowie was a huge 
reason that I got into music in the first place. So I have a very, very special place in my heart. And I've just been a Bowie fan ever since. And so what, 2001, two, that's been how many years now? 20 years almost. So I, I remember when he was, I remember like when, I remember always wanting to see him in concert. And I think the last time he toured was like 2003 or something. Wasn't it the reality tour? 2003, 2004, the reality tour. And around that time I was like, oh, next time he goes on tour, I, I'm going to go see him. And it never happened, obviously, because he never toured after that. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I mostly fell in love with early Bowie. Like I said, I was a big, I'm also a huge T-Rex fan. They were probably the fourth band that I got really into, actually. Um, so, I mean, my Bowie was always, for a long time, it was... Ziggy Stardust, Diamond Dogs uh, is still probably my favorite album, um, and Aladdin Sane and that stuff. But I've since obviously gotten into all kinds of his, like I always liked Let's Dance and um, the Berlin albums were always really great too, Low and stuff like that. Um, later Bowie I'm less familiar with, so that is something that I'm really interested in with this uh, podcast. I would say I'm really, really interested in, in hearing his stuff from particularly like the 90s on i don't really know very much i can't wait all. to discuss that with you because yeah. Yeah, i mean definitely um you know definitely hit like sort of this renaissance I mean, especially the last four mm-hmm. albums i think are all phenomenal records um maybe something i can get into in another episode but uh because you talked about the reality tour mm-hmm. um i would say i got as close as you one could possibly get to uh David Bowie concert, and uh, that was last year. My brother and I saw the David Bowie. I think it was called the David Bowie Experience, mm-hmm. but it had so many players, touring players, um, t- touring musicians, studio musicians mm-hmm. that played with him over the years. The band was led by the legendary Mike Garson, mm-hmm. um, but Gary Leonard played. Um, oh, what's his name? Earl. Oh, I can't think of his name. He played on Station to Station, Diamond Dogs. Mm-hmm. It's gonna bug me right now but <laughs> and it was just it was a phenomenal show um so that was the closest that um i got to i guess seeing bowie mm-hmm. live and definitely his spirit was there um for sure but of course the man himself wasn't but yeah. um yeah so sort of um you know a, a neat background as to how both of us got into bowie um you definitely got him into him a lot sooner than i did mm-hmm. Um, side note, I never thought I would hear you say the words, I'm sick of hearing Pink Floyd. Never thought that sentence would come out of your mouth. No, it wasn't me that said that. Uh, it was, it was, and my dad didn't say that exact thing, but I, basically I kept playing the same Pink Floyd songs over and over and over uh, and over. Oh, okay, gotcha. And gotcha, I think gotcha, he was particularly gotcha, getting was sick say. of hear, hearing the song Money. <laughs> so no, he's no, like, have you heard of David Bowie? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, that, that makes more sense. Okay, I, I misheard you there. Um, all right, dude. So let's, let's get into it. So, um, Normally, you guys are used to, if you've been following us since uh, Crimson, uh, we talk about um, singles and B-sides after we discuss the record. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bowie had several singles that were released before his debut that I kind of think were important to talk about before we get into the um, first record. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of gradually leads up to um, where he was going on his self-titled album. I do want to say uh, that I am not very familiar with these, so I kind of brushed okay, over well, them a you little, know, but I didn't... Most of these we are going to breeze over. There's there's one okay. I might spend a minute on, but we'll breeze through most of these. Um, I do just want to point out uh, for the hardcore listeners that I purposely did not include Davy Jones with the King Bees, um, and that goes far back as like the early 60s, 1964, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um just because, um, not that those weren't good singles, they're actually not that bad. Um, but I felt that starting with David Bowie with the lower third was just a more appropriate place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into some of these singles. So we have, uh, this was released in 1966, uh, David Bowie, the lower third. Uh, the A side is Can't Help Thinking About Me. And I say to myself, is the B-side. So I don't know if you uh, listen to these particular tracks or not. Um, they're not bad. They're very um, 60s. They, sound... Um, they, they sound very 60s pop. Very Beatles-esque. Specifically, I was going to say specifically um, Help Era Beatles. Mm-hmm. 
um, sounding, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but, you know, just your traditional early to mid-60s pop. Nothing really special, but, you know, just catchy songs, mm-hmm. great chorus. That's really all I have to say about that. Um, I <laughs> probably like both these songs better than most of the songs on the debut album. Which <laughs> I want to get this out of the way, too, really quack, quick. I don't want to, as we get into this first record... Um, I have strong I have strong opinions on it, so I don't want what I just said about Bowie and what Bowie means to me five minutes ago. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. Uh, <laughs> Bowie, the uh, you know, was just one of those guys that uh, you know what the first album didn't hit. You know, you're either a band like Crimson where you release a debut album that people will hold to high regard and will always compare every subsequent record to that. Or you've got the opposite end of the spectrum with a guy like Bowie, where even the man himself tried to forget that that record even existed. And you can really, um, you know, to be quite honest with you, it wasn't until quite a few years later um, that I even knew about this record. I always thought Space Oddity was his first album for quite a few years. for the longest time. Quite a few years, actually. I don't think it was until, like, 2010 or something. I mean, for me, that's like, you you know, (laughs) I I think I saw it at, at, like, a... At a CD store, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this isn't, you know? And I ended up buying <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, weird. Well, they, like around the time he passed away, um, and they've been still putting him out every year, they've been putting out these box sets of, um, you know, every album mm-hmm. um, remastered, some of them even remixed. And the first one, uh, it's called Five Years, uh, it starts from Space Oddity to <laughs> Aladdin Sane, I think. So it, even that doesn't include this album. <laughs> But anyways, let, let's dive into the rest of these singles. Uh-huh. Um, uh, released in 1966, shortly after the lower third singles, um, we have, this is just Bowie this time, um, at least just Bowie's name. Uh, the A side is Do Anything You Say, and the B side is Good Morning Girl. Um, Do Anything You Say is okay. It kind of continues that same style um, as did the other two singles that we just spoke about prior. Um... So again, if you're into that, check that one out. And the B-side's not that great. Good morning, girl. Um, I don't really have anything to say to it other than I just don't think it's that great of a song. Um, So right after that, also released later in 1966. I should have pulled up the exact dates, but oh well. Uh, We have I Dig Everything is the A-side, and I'm Not Losing Sleep is the B-side. Same thing. Both of these are, are okay. Um, I dig everything is okay. Actually, I take that back. I'm not losing sleep is not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's two B-sides in a row. Not that great. Um, then shortly released... No, 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 no. That's the next one. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, next we have Rubber Band is the A-side, which um, is on the first record. This is a different version of the song, an earlier take, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rubber Band's the A-side, and the B-side, London Boys. I'm just going to go ahead and say it about London Boys. This is the best song of this era. It's funny that you mentioned that, because I was reading about this album, and uh, um, there was like a reviewer that said that, or a few reviewers that said that was kind of like the 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 standout track from all this period of the band. So I actually did listen to this, and I thought, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a decent song. Yeah, I mean, I'm first of all, I don't know why it wasn't included on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you can get it on reissues um, of the first David Bowie album, but on the original track, track listing, London Boys is not included. And I, I honestly don't know why. I, I think it's got a really beautiful arrangement. Um, I think Bowie's vocals, which I'm going to talk about his vocals, more when we get into the first record mm-hmm. but Bowie's vocals sound great he sounds confident mm-hmm. um, it's just a great track I, I, again I think it's the best from the 65-67 era of Bowie so I'm a little uh, puzzled but also curious why it wasn't included so definitely mm-hmm. check that song out uh, that's again London Boys and all these songs that we've been talking about so far you can find on various Bowie compilations uh, one specifically where I found a lot of these was on The World of David Bowie, which was released, uh, I believe, around when The Man Who Sold the World was released. And there's another compilation called Images 1966 to 1967. Mm-hmm. So you can find a lot of these tracks that we're talking about on either of those compilations, as well as other ones that we're not going to get into. 
Um, and then one more single, which, oh, for fuck's sake, forgot about this song. <laughs> the Laughing Gnome. <laughs> God, it's so bad. I, uh, I, try, I was like, oh, let's hear this. It took me about, I don't know, 10 seconds for me to shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's like this, like, he's using this, like, chipmunk voice yeah you know like voice effect it reminded um, me of uh, several species of small furry animals gathered together and grooving with a pict which is the song <laughs> from umaguma from pink floyd yes i remember there that title go. how could you forget it uh, that's no yeah well um i did <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not good and i, I yeah. i'm sure it was meant to be this like novelty goofy thing but uh, it kind of this song actually later on kind of developed its own cult following when bowie <laughs> really started to get popular no no joke when bowie started to get popular in the early 70s when ziggy came out um they were just um rca was just going through the back catalog releasing anything that um they could and they re-released the laughing gnome as a single and it kind of it wasn't a hit per se but it it kind of like became its own thing um i know bowie completely rejects it i just want to quickly pull up this quote um from 2000 um from bowie himself about the laughing gnome let me find it really should quick. be good um babylon while i'm finding this <laughs> um yeah this one this track here was uh, uh i don't know why um he thought or why some people thought that was a good... I mean, this is why I don't really like Alvin and the Chipmunks, because the voice is so bad. It's so <laughs> bad. And I just, I just found the quote, by the way. Okay. So this is from Bowie himself. I really think I should have done more for gnomes. I always feel a bit guilty that I just put my feet into the water and never sort of dived into the deep end. I really could have produced a new sensibility for the garden gnome in Britain. Gnomes should have been explored more deeply. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great <laughs> it's a very clever way of pretty much dissing your own song <laughs> um and then and the, the the b side the gospel according to tony day is also shit don't waste your time checking that out <laughs> um okay so that's uh that's all of the pre self-titled singles let's uh let's get into album number numero number one David Bowie, released in 1967, it is the self-titled debut studio album by English 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 musician David Bowie, released on June 1st, 1967, on Duram Records. Its style and content bears little, no resemblance to the type of music that he was later known for, such as the folk rock influenced space oddity or the glam rock of the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. It's very different than most of what I've heard by him. Different is one way of putting but it. But you also um, have to, I think though, before we tear the album to pieces, um, <laughs> I think to be fair with it, it was his first record. You have to think about the time when this was this was put out june 67 that's around like when sergeant pepper came out i this it actually was released the same exact day as sergeant pepper so i don't know you i think there you need to have certain allowances with this record because of when it came out um and think of where kind of pop music and particularly british pop was at the time and I think it. I get the sense here that Bowie was trying to stand out a little bit because if you if you just hearing some of those early singles, you could definitely hear you know while while some of the stuff like you know the the first couple singles can't help thinking about me and do anything you say and all that they were okay like but they 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 sound like the Beatles and there was hundred bands that were trying to sound like the Beatles so it's not really anything stand out or hundreds thousands yeah yeah exactly fine there's several thousand but you don't have time to say it's like i i I have to give them credit for trying to sound different you know or sound unique so so that's and that's the thing i and that's where i disagree i don't i don't think i don't think it sounds different Mm -hmm. to anything of that time and here's and i was thinking about this last week 
um, as I was, you know, prepping myself to listen to this piece of garbage, <laughs> is um, there's one thing that every David Bowie album has in common. One thing. From this one all the way to Black Star. Mm-hmm. And, and you just said it. Bowie was a chameleon. Chameleon. Yep. Can't talk today. A chameleon, right? <laughs> he very much, although not executed very well on this record, but very much executed well on later records, he very much had a knack for taking influence of styles of music that were popular of the time. Mm-hmm. So if you really think about it, and you can argue in one sense that Bowie wasn't an innovator in music like, say, the Beatles were. Um, but he had this knack of taking all these different styles, whether they were popular, like, you know, funk and, you know, glam, right. or a little more, you know, underground, like um, Krautrock. He had this knack of taking all these different styles and making it his own. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one can do David Bowie other than David Bowie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So while, yes, I am completely knocking him for this on this record, he masters this style. You can almost call this an art form in of itself. Yeah. Taking all of these, you know, different styles of music and just sort of throwing it in a blender. You know, he he does this on every record. I mean, I you can name an album and, and I will I will start throwing, you know, whatever artist at you. I mean, you can take a look at a record like Outside, total Nine Inch Nails influence. Mm-hmm. A record like Low, Eno, Iggy, you know, like we can just go on yep. and on. Um, and we'll talk about what some of the influences were on this particular record, <clears throat> the Beatles especially. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just something I was thinking about um, as I was listening to this the the other day. So while not executed very well on this record, um, wait till we get further in the catalog, guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I'm ready to go track so, by track. If you are. Here we go. Side one, track one. Uncle Arthur. Um, kind of going back to my tangent, I just went on in a second, but I'll keep it brief, I promise. I was also thinking about this. And, you know, a lot of these lyrics, although I don't think they're great, they're very eccentric. What do some of these lyrics remind me of? The eccentric lyrics that were on Sgt. Pepper. Mm-hmm. So the question I was asking myself, would I feel differently about some of these songs if it were the Beatles singing these songs. George Martin production. Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, Starr. Would I feel differently about these songs? And the answer is, I don't know, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, I want to say yes, I probably would have a... Like, if this were a Beatles record, we would I would have a total different opinion. Well, I think it would, it would be... In a, it would sound completely different, too, because you don't have the, you know... You'd have more vocal harmonies. You'd, more than likely, you'd probably have... Sure. Like, I feel like the Which the entire record would be played record. in a different style almost, you know? I mean, because the Bo- Beatles' influence is there, but I, f- I feel like it's unquestionably Bowie at the same time. And Bowie is... He has a style of his own, you know? See, and, then that's, and that's where I disagree. I mean, on, on as we get into the catalog, yes, I'm with you. But for this one, this is not Bowie to me. There, mm-hmm. There's... I think he is just, you know... One like one song we're trying to be the Beatles, another track we're trying to be the Kings, mm-hmm. another one we're trying to be Sid Barrett. I I don't feel a sense of this is David Bowie mm-hmm. on a single song. Um, and while a record like Sgt. Pepper, um, although it was released fifty plus years ago, still sounds, you know, like it still sounds like it could be a contemporary record. Right off the bat, when we get into the song, I'm like, oh god, this already feels dated <laughs> sounding. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I definitely hear a lot of Sid Barrett in this uh, album. We were talking about that off mic the other day, and as I continue to listen to this more and more, um, I definitely hear it. And it's funny because on Spotify, um, without fail every time um after i would finish this record the song octopus would come on mm-hmm. by sid barrett and that's when it started to click like yeah yeah i can definitely hear the sid yep. barrett influence um totally uh yeah this this track uncle arthur i've got a few notes here i thought the lyrics were kind of silly 
Uh, and it's pretty standard British pop sounding, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like the guitar and the horn in it. <laughs> that was pretty much what I wrote. <laughs> okay. Uh, the lyrics right. are kind of silly, you know. I don't know what what he's what exactly he's trying to say in the song. It just sounds like kind of like a, 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 a an adult man who kind of acts like a child and still lives with his mother and then runs off with a woman, decides he doesn't like it, and then goes back to mom. Kind of. It was a it was a weird weird song lyrically. <laughs> Yeah, well, a lot of these lyrics yeah. are pretty <laughs> weird, but you know, that, that's I guess that's another thing besides the the chameleon, chameleon. I can't talk. Um, statement I just made. That's probably another um, commonality f- uh, with all of his uh, records. Is uh, this guy writes some pretty weird songs? Yeah, he does definitely. Very but, eclectic lyrics. Um, for sure. Uh, but all right. Um, so it sounds like that's really all you have for Uncle Art. I didn't really have to, much uh, to say. It's 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 not a bad song. It's pretty average, you know, maybe slightly below. Yeah. Um, Alright, so let's move on to track two, Sell Me a Coat. Um I like I like the beginning of the song, the 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 la 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 in the beginning with mm-hmm. with the strings underneath. La, 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 la. Um, I I thought that was really neat. But then thirty seconds in, I'm I'm already over this song. <laughs> um what I will say um and i was also sharing this with you off mic the other day is unlike the king crimson series um this one already has been putting me in the mood for other stuff Mm -hmm. specifically scott walker Mm -hmm. so scott walker was another big early influence for bowie along with sid barrett and um I'm a pretty big Scott Walker fan. I haven't listened to him in a long time, but I've been going back the last couple of days and listening to a lot of the Walker Brothers as well as Scott Walker's solo albums from the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, so there's a lot of Scott Walker influence on this record, I think, as well as Space Oddity. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically with uh, the orchestration, the use of uh, just, you know, um, orchestral instruments. Um, so I, I do appreciate that of course um i almost feel that there are a couple songs where bowie is literally trying to channel scott walker and it usually doesn't pan out very well um but you know all in all this is an uh, okay to not that great of a song but already better than the first track yeah i I actually kind of like this one a little bit and i feel like this one also has a little bit of echoes of what is going to come in the next album it kind of has that like what is it there's there's kind of a folkiness to it and mm-hmm. it has the melody reminds me a little bit of some stuff off of space oddity uh i don't know i kind of, i think it's it's a decent song you know it's it's like you said it's definitely better than the first one it kind of has a wintry feel to it which is pretty cool and uh, i think the, the the melody is really nice like in the chorus you know it's it's definitely uh, much more de- it's it, it held my interest a lot more than Uncle Arthur did, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's that's where I definitely agree with you, is of the two tracks. Um, there's definitely some small elements of this song that also held my interest mm-hmm. uh, every time I was listening to this record. Um, all right, so that brings us to track three. Uh, Love You Till... Hold on. Is it Love You Till Tuesday? Because I'm looking at... I've got rubber... So my... we should say real quick that we both... <laughs> We're list- so I listened to the version of this album on Spotify, which apparently is not the version of the album that has, or that's like the official track listing of well, it. Well, y- yes, and let me just stop you for one yeah. second, because this particular instance was a typo on my part, because Rubber Band, because I'm looking at my individual notes as uh-huh. well as our script, Rubber Band is the next track. Yep. I just forgot to include it in our script notes mm-hmm. but go ahead as you were saying uh yeah so uh, i know it's a little different but yeah i also have rubber band as the next one so okay you do and we'll and we'll talk about the missing tracks on spotify um because they pop up on site too i uh, i actually but... like this song quite a bit <laughs> uh you know i again i i personally don't care for it mm-hmm. um it is definitely what i appreciate about it is it is very sergeant pepperish Kind of. Uh, this yeah. is definitely a track that could easily fit on that record. Um, but other than that, that's really um, the only th- opinion I have on it. I just again another blech track. But you said you kind of like. Yeah, it. I like the trumpet on it, and I thought that the lyrics 
like the there was kind of a funny twist ending about it where he's talking about how he wants to join the band and then he, at the end you find out <laughs> it's because his his uh his girl left him for the leader of the band <laughs> it was just yes. it, like lyrically it was kind of funny i don't know i thought it was a pretty cool track <laughs> Um, all right, so that brings us to track four, Love You Till Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, not track three, that is track, track four. Track four, yep. And um, I, I like the instrumentals on this one. Xylophones um, on it, it's pretty cool. Strange. Yeah, yeah, several of these tracks, I will say, I like the instrumentals. Uh, that's something I actually forgot to do in our notes, was um, add the uh, other musicians that played on the record. Mm-hmm. Um Kind of like what we did with King Crimson, introduced the band members. But anyway, it's not important right now. Um, but I do like the instrumentals on this one. Um, going back to my comment I made earlier in the episode um, that I, I mentioned about the lack of confidence in Bowie's vocals mm-hmm. in a lot of these songs. And this is the first track where you really hear it. Um, specifically the one lyric. I don't have it in front of me, but it's whatever, blah, 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 blah. Love you till Tuesday. It's only me. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's only me. And he's got a couple (laughs) moments like on this record. Like, oh, Bowie, it's okay. You'll get better. You'll get better. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this this one was kind of like, it could have been a really good song, but it was, it missed a bit. I do like the I do like that it's kind of whimsical sounding and uh, uh, the chorus is a bit catchy but yeah the, the 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 vocals are some are just goofy at some points like it just is and the lyrics honestly are a little cheesy you know I I, I thought the lyrics weren't that great yeah um, same I mean the, the, I I don't I'm not sure I'm not really sure if there's a single lyric. <laughs> Sorry, on this record that I, I said I don't even think there's a single lyric on this record that I think is, is that great. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see if I, want to agree with you or not. Maybe we'll see. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. Um. So that brings us to. Yeah, as I'm looking at the next tracks, I'm. It should be kind of sort of. Taking is it that, there is a happy land? Out. I believe that statement back, but yes, uh, there is a happy place land. So here I go with a typo again. In my notes, I have there is a happy land. On our script notes, I have there is a happy place. It is indeed there is a happy land. Mm-hmm. I'm fucking up today, guys. It's all right. It's okay. It's uh, the first episode of the bo- of the new you know the new season. You there's allowances. It's the. But well, you better do better next is, time. <laughs> Thank you. I don't goofed. Um, I promise I'll do better next time. Anyways, uh, up to this point, this is the best track to me. Up to this point. Yeah, this was good. Um, this was a good one. This is this is a pretty decent track. Um, there is, I wanted to point out with Uncle Arthur as well, but it applies to this song as well. Um, this song mentions, uh, talks about Tiny Tim. Um, there's a song on Heathen called Slip Away, uh, where he actually references Tiny Tim and Uncle Arthur again. Mm-hmm. Um, that song in general, and we'll talk about that way down the pipeline. Uh, but that song in particular really references like this era of Bowie's life. Hmm. Uh, great track, by the way, Slip Away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as There's a Happy Land goes, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's the best up to this point. I like the lyrics. Um, <laughs> uh, it's cool that he kind of writes it from a child's perspective this one really gave me sid barrett vibes lyrically it so sounds like some because sid barrett kind of had that at times did that nursery rhyming kind of thing and that totally this totally sounds sid influenced yeah totally i could this could almost like this song almost feels like it could sound like like it could even be like a b-side to really the next record yeah um but uh, yeah, the only thing I don't like about this song is at the end he does this uh, boodaloo, boodaloo, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, thing. that yeah, was a little stupid. Stop that. But and also uh, instrumentally, that. I thought the guitar and the piano were nice in it as well. Uh, it's a nice, nice guitar there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I mean, the the instrumentals on this record are I don't want to say saving grace because there there are, are some songs where I, I don't even think the instrumentals are that great, mm-hmm. but there are a couple tracks where the instrumentals really do stand out. This one being one. Yeah, it's. It, I was surprised. That was. I agree. That was definitely the high spot with this record. Was the, uh, the uh, the instrumentation is actually quite good. Good, especially for the time. I was pretty surprised. Well, speaking of instrumentals that 
don't sound good. Let's, in my opinion, let's talk about the next track. We are the hungry men. Uh, those horns in the beginning are just god awful, god awful. Um, I do like the chorus. The chorus is pretty cool. Um, some of the lyrical themes in this song kind of foreshadow um, some themes that he would later revisit. Yeah. On songs on, on that are off of the uh, the man who sold the world. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple tracks on Diamond Dogs stand to mind. So this is kind of like a precursor to definitely reminds of me tracks. of diamond dogs some of the stuff on diamond dogs with but honestly yeah, it, definitely it's also kind of interesting it's probably the first kind of political i guess lyrics he would m- maybe do i get yes. a sense mm-hmm. that he's talking about nazism in a sense in it uh that's it's or at least alluding to it it's I weird i interpreted it yeah. yeah um but at the very least yeah like you said um this is the first deep political track that we get from and him. And he talks something about and infanticide and stuff like that. Like, some really weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one, um, this one honestly really... Like, I appreciate what he was trying to do with it. This one didn't work for me. I, I also really think, like, adding a lot of the spoken word stuff, like the German stuff, just didn't sound very good. And like you said, yeah, instrumentally it wasn't... It was okay, you know, just... It, it was a cool concept yeah. like i, I kind of under like i kind of appreciate what he was trying to do it just didn't work you know i agree i agree um you know the execution's not quite there like i said i, I do kind of like the chorus in this song mm-hmm. but um that's really about it so the next track closes side one mm-hmm. uh, and that is when i live my dream i think this is the best song on side one mm-hmm. all in all um, again, this is another song that really instrumentally reminds me of Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like this song quite a bit. Um, this song, in terms of vocals, might be his best vocal performance, other than uh, Silly Boy Blue. Um, yeah, this I, song specifically... I ahead. actually highlighted that same thing uh, on here. I thought the vocals and the melody were really good. So... Yeah, well, so with this song specifically, the the, the vocal buildup at the end mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of the vocal buildup in Rock and Roll Suicide as well. Oh yeah, builds and builds and builds, and then he just unleashes, and that, so I kind of like I got some uh, you know Rock and Roll Suicide vibes as far yeah. as this track goes. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, what do you think? I thought this was also a good track too. I don't know if it's it's between that probably or there's a happy land that I think I like the best on this side of the album but yeah like uh, I pretty much agree with everything that you said um and I wanted to talk about the lyrics oh I love the horn in it as well but the lyrics um probably like I I take it as the lyrics are him basically dreaming about someone who like some woman who heard him and then him trying to like imagine them you know being you know living this dream of him being of them being together or whatever it was like it was cool that he kind of took a like a love song and made it clever you know and there's also some kind of like whimsical themes in it too talking about i think he talks it's about like slain dragons it's also kind of got like stuff this, like that yeah it was, it's kind of got like this dreamy sound yeah it was cool it was, that's where that scott walker influence comes from yeah it was it, it was a cool cool track i liked it um all right so and i think that's where you and i do agree is that uh mm-hmm. both this track and there is a happy land i almost said place again mm-hmm. are definitely the uh the two best tracks at least on side one um but let's get into side two and the next track one of which is not included on the spotify version of this record mm-hmm. uh but it is on spotify is a uh, little bombarder bombarder i'm gonna bombarder. let you talk about Bum- this i think this and the following bombarder. one because i did not uh i didn't well, hear them so, so go ahead i don't really have much to say about little bombarder mm-hmm. um other than it's in waltz time and i guess that's cool but <laughs> that's all i have to say about it. it's again it's another mm, it's not a great track mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> uh silly boy blue however um, I think is the best song on this record. So you definitely need to go and listen to it because I think this is the best track um, off the record. Um, I f- Again, it is on Spotify. It's just not on the Spotify track list of mm-hmm. this record. There's a really cool string arrangement. Uh, beautiful. Um, 
and again, this is this is another one of those songs. It could probably find a place in the next record. To be honest with you, Space Oddity. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one. If there's a track that I'm gonna recommend, just to kind of get a overview of Bowie in 1967, it would be the London Boys and Silly Boy Blue. Mm-hmm. Those would be the two tracks I'd recommend. Well, I'll have to listen to it then. I'm I'm sorry I didn't do my homework, everybody. <laughs> That is okay. <laughs> um, so that does bring us to the next track. I've got it as track nine in our notes. I don't think that's correct, but either way, it's uh, Come and Buy My Toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like this song. I'm just going to already say I don't like I it. I just said it was pretty uh, average. Very... It's kind of more stripped down than the other songs. It was all right. Very stripped down, very folky. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that there were a couple tracks that are very folky sounding. This one's one of them. That's all I've got. It's really my opinion. Yeah, I, I didn't have much for it either. Not pretty average. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> same with the next track, Join the Gang. And this, oh God, this one actually might be the worst song now that I'm thinking about really? it. Really? Uh, so I actually like this one, but I'll tell you why. Really? I liked it instrumentally because there's some awesome sit- Join the Gang! Yeah. <laughs> he does that vocal thing but- again. <laughs> Gangs! But the sitar is really cool in it. And there's... Yeah, there's yeah. some right, there's right, some right. organ in it which sounds really cool and there's like a ragtime style piano so i thought instrumentally it was pretty cool and the ending gets like kind of nuts at the end but yeah otherwise if if all those interesting like instrumental bits were in there it would probably be the worst track <laughs> like definitely definitely <laughs> um and a couple of those bits are pretty cool that you mentioned um that organ one i that doesn't seem to stand out for me so i'll have to go back and listen yeah. to it but uh it's only for like a yeah, second it's, there's it's, a i think it comes up a couple times where there's this cool or organ part of it you have to listen to it again um yeah i'll go back and listen to that one but other than that i i i think it's the worst track <laughs> <laughs> which is really saying something um on an album that has if you guys haven't figured out my opinion at this point, this is a terrible record, but we'll get to that at the end for our final thoughts. I think um, you and I are having more similar opinions on it than I thought we would. I just am harsher about them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably it. Because overall, I actually, I would say the album wasn't bad, but it's like the, the word that comes to mind is unremarkable. That's my, <laughs> yeah, that's what, no, pretty I, much I, what's, I that's... what I, I gathered from it. Uh, and I think that's valid, but let's we'll, we'll save that for our final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to finish talking about this record. Um, so we oh where are we? Uh, she got medals is the next track, and there's this this sound effect. I was gonna ask you if you picked up on this mm-hmm. in the very beginning. It, it it almost sounds like a mellotron effect. Like it sounds like something you would hear on, you know, in the court of the Crimson King or in the wake of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like really dark and sinister. I thought that was kind of cool. Yep, I've, I know what you're talking um, about. That was, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would I would be curious. I'm going to have to do more research if uh, if that's what that is. Some type of effect on the uh, the Mellotron. But uh, yeah, um, I mean in terms of... This is an okay song. Um, thematically, this is another one of those songs um, that really predates... Uh, Specifically, the cover of the man who sold the world with the the drag dress, um, yeah. as well as the Ziggy Stardust character. So, of course, this song covers you know some of those uh, you know those homosexual themes. Yeah, I, uh, I for, I'm assuming you know, it's alluding to the character in the song is like transsexual or something. I have no idea. Yeah, or, which for for 1967, the only other group that was doing that and talking about those things were the Velvet Underground. Yeah, yeah, or maybe the Fugs. <laughs> You ever hear the thugs? Oh, yeah, they're the, the thugs, yeah. <laughs> there you go, the thugs and the velvet underground. <laughs> yeah, and I, don't think, I don't even think the mothers t- talked about... Maybe, I don't know, I, I'd have to... I don't, I don't think so, but you, you would know that better than me. Yeah, I, ha- I, I have um, to think about some of those. Anyway, uh, I actually thought this was one of the most, most uh, interesting tracks. I thought, lyrically, it's probably my favorite. And again, it has that twist, really? twist ending at the end that I really liked. So that's kind of cool. It's like you think she dies in the war, but she ends up, or no, he she ends up going back to being a she or something. <laughs> it's it's kind of a cool song. I actually like the lyrics, but yeah, yeah, it, the, the core it is a neat track, and and again lyrically, I would have to agree. It probably lyrically is the best song. Yeah, 
Uh, but but the melody, like the she's got medals, is kind of like she's got medals. Yeah, it's like it's all right, you know. Like the melody's not yeah, that yeah. great, but the lyrics are good. So, um, all right. So that brings us to the second to last track, "Made of Bond Street." Um, this is another one. And I'm looking at our our mutual notes, and I didn't include the last two tracks. <laughs> I hate myself. Made of Bond Street. Um, another one of those songs I don't have an opinion on, other than it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I, I said I just put that it really, really, really reminded me of Sid Barrett, and uh, the only thing I liked on it was the accordion and the strings. There's definitely an accordion in there, which. So, you know, if you haven't picked it up from either of us by now, this record's not a very memorable record. And even after listening to it, I want to say I probably listened to it seven times total before we recorded. Twice uh, just today, I listened to it twice, but I think seven times overall. And, uh, you know, after seven listens, there are still tracks, this one being one of them, where I, I... I don't I couldn't tell you anything about it um even in my notes it says no opinion other than it's bad <laughs> I, I wonder I, I, I'm gonna call it this is your cat food this song uh, <laughs> I, look I'll take cat food over I'm cat, cat food grew on me I know. spoiler alert if you haven't listened to the last KC episode but I, I'll cat, cat food is like you know fucking beethoven's ninth compared to this song <laughs> all, right. all right final track what do you think <laughs> and transition final track uh <laughs> please mr Gra- uh grave digger please mr grave digger i can't talk you got this um, you, it's all good no i got it i got it um yeah so this is the closing track um this one is without a doubt the most experimental song best track on the album Oh, see, that's where I disagree. <laughs> By far, I do not think it's the best track on the record, but I do appreciate um, the level of experimentation. This definitely yep. um, foreshadows uh, some later 70s Bowie, for sure, in terms of uh, experimenting. But, uh, I, I, you know, again, this is another one that reminds me of, uh, you know, Scott Walker's music, but all in all, uh, that's really... That's really about it. Um, all in all, it's just is... another brick in the wall. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Uh, the spoken word bit, which really is the whole song, I think, um, is okay, but uh, beyond the experimentation, this is just another It's ugh, song. pretty much an acapella with a bunch of different sound effects and stuff. I thought it was hilarious, and for some reason, it, it I don't know why, each time I heard it, I kept thinking of the part in Majora's Mask when you ha- have to like follow the grave digger around and have him dig. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I know exactly. <laughs> so like, about. I kept thinking of that, and I was like, okay, this makes this cool. <laughs> it just made me think of the grave digger from Majora's Mask. <laughs> I I love that, and I totally see. It. <laughs> so yeah, best track on the album. <laughs> All right, best track. Interesting. So di- um, yeah. So that's that's. David Bowie's debut record, guys. Yep. Um, there was one other B side I wanted to note that was released after because the A side was "Love You Till Tuesday." Mm-hmm. Um, so the B side to that was "Did You Ever Have a Dream?" Uh, this one is also available on the Images 1966-1967 compilation record I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one that's just okay, um, not very memorable, like the majority of these songs. Um, but you know, I would probably. You know, I would definitely take it over tracks like Join the Gang and mm-hmm. uh, probably over We Are Hungry Man. A couple tracks, but um, you know, just, you know, B-side. Nothing that special. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the first David Bowie record, guys. Um, let's get into our top three tracks. Okie dokie. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I think I'm going to say that mine are... When I Live My Dream, this is in no order, by the way. Um, let's see. Honestly, probably, yeah. When I Live My Dream, 
she's got medals or there's a happy land. I don't know which one to pick. I'm going to go, okay. when I live my dream, she's got medals and please, Mr. Gravedigger. Please, Mr. Gra- Gravedigger was your yes. third one? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with... Come back, notes. Um, <laughs> and this will be in order. Silly Boy Blue. Okay. Um, then when I live my dream... Mm-hmm is my second pick and then my third pick there is a happy land however if the london boys was on this record then that would be my number one silly boy blue would be my number two i got a question for you my dream is is there a good album here can we give this the perfect beat treatment or do you think it's there's no hope for it like if we were i think there is well no hope if we were to like incorporate other singles and b-sides and such i think in in an alternate universe, what you do is, is there space, space Oddity ended up being the debut David Bowie record. Uh-huh. However, there were singles that were released prior, and I think you could have um, Silly Boy Blue, uh-huh. along with There's a Happy Land, released as a single. Mm-hmm. Silly Boy Blue being the A side, There's a Happy Land as the B side. Mm-hmm. And then I think you could do the London Boys and When I Live My Dream also as a single together. Beyond the Whoa, 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 whoa. What up, please, Mr. Gravedigger? Come on now. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. That could be released as like a, I don't know, like a unreleased studio cut on the 50th anniversary of Space Oddity. It's, it's, you know what? It's kind of his uh, King Crimson Barbershop or whatever. <laughs> Mm, fine, but nope, 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 nope. Alrighty. <laughs> um, but other than that, there is no salvaging this record. Okay, that's fair. In my humble opinion, not that that was very humble of me. Well, that being but uh, that being said, uh, do you have any final thoughts on it? Like mine is literally just unremarkable. Couple couple of decent songs, but it just it just didn't blow me away at all. You know, there wasn't anything really that stood out to me very much. So I didn't think it was bad though. I, I didn't think it was like I didn't listen to it and and recoil in horror or anything as I assume you have a little bit. But oh, I have, and then some. I think I just look. I think as far as my final thoughts, the songwriting is horrible. Uh-huh. It gets better, guys. I mean, this Bowie I would put amongst one of the greatest songwriters of mm-hmm. all time. Um, I would too. So so ignore this record as far as songwriting goes. I think the songwriting's trash. Um, it's like a bunch of short stories with just terrible punchlines. Like that's how I could really describe <laughs> every song. Most of the instrumentals are just hilariously dull. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know if we want to be the Kinks on one song. We don't know if we want to be Sid Barrett. We don't know if we want to be Scott Walker. Um, yeah, that's that's really how I feel about it. Um, it is all the way down at the bottom without spoiling my top 20 not my top 20 my top album picks rankings Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that Uh, I'll just tell you already this one's going to be at the bottom (laughs) I'm just going to tell you that already well that's fair and there there are a couple other um, oh boy records that we'll get to but uh, (laughs) no this one without a doubt is uh, all the way at the bottom well hopefully the next record will uh, will be a bit better of an experience for you yeah, no, it, I, it definitely will. And look, I mean, while the next two records are a big, 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 big jump to this one, mm-hmm. um, for me, David Bowie starts a hunky-dory. Uh-huh. Um, there are some select tracks off the next two that we'll talk about when we talk about those records that I love, but like hunky-dory is like really where things go. Get great. Well, it's going to be fun disagreeing with you, Andrew. So I look forward to it. <laughs> I, as do I, because we, you know, my friend, season one, we uh, we shared too many opinions, and it's yep. time to uh, it's time to have a brawl. Yep, let's it's time to let's fight. Let's brawl. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, um, what do you think? So Should we wrap it up. I think that's about a wrap, guys. I just want to end by saying that, um, you know, thank you for those of you that have you know continue to follow us and Mm -hmm. listen to us um episode two of course will cover space oddity i'm very much looking forward to that as i know you are oh definitely Um, like we said this one because it's the first episode was a little longer 
Most of these were aiming for 35, 45 minutes with a few exceptions that we'll, you know, we'll tell you as we go. But mm-hmm. um, we hit, yeah. We're a little I mean, over just, an hour right now, so we're actually... We're a little over an hour, so perfect. Yeah. This is a great place to end. Uh, Sundays every two weeks, so two weeks from this Sunday. I don't have the date in front of me. It's when we'll record episode two. Yep. Uh, we will have this episode dropped Friday. Check this episode out. If you haven't gone back and listened to the King Crimson series, please do so. Mr. Current, any final adieus? Uh, thanks again, everyone, for watching. And, oh, uh, keep out for another um, video on our YouTube channel that I'm going to be doing soon that's completely unrelated. But it's going to be, a, I'll say it's a music list. That's your taste. Yes, please do. I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to that video. And that's going to be more of a video format. So I intend to do some editing. But I got some other stuff on my other channel I got to work on. Plus, I got to put this out. So we'll see when that comes out. But look for it in the next few weeks. And hopefully we will have Anchor working by episode two. We'll try our best. (laughs) But all right, guys, uh, until next time. uh, See you next time on Sound of Music. Bye, guys. The Sound of Music. (laughs) Bye-bye.